they took a bunch of adults with car, with known coronary artery disease, um, had them drive in their commute, and then did EKGs on them. And some of those EKGs, a lot of those EKGs were very dangerous, you know, going to going in the direction of myocardial ischemia, wow. uh, heart attacks type early heart attack type EKGs. I'm Laura Whitley. In this episode of The Next Stop, how choosing public transit could help you keep that New Year's resolution to get healthier. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. Metro's podcast. This is 2020. That's my best Barbara Walters. But seriously, the new year means a new you for so many of us, and that includes leveling up when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Zoeb Hafiz, an assistant professor of pediatrics at McGovern Medical School at UT Health, is joining us today to weigh in on this discussion. Dr. Hafiz, thank you so much for being with us. Sure, no problem. Um, in your view, high-quality public transit that is accessible, safe, comfortable, is linked to good health. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> without a doubt. I think one of the interesting things about what we're learning about public health as we get more and more mature as a field is it's how it incorporates with urban infrastructure, especially in Houston. Um, and I like to say it in a way that's, you know, there's what goes on inside the bus and the train in terms of public health. And then there's what can happen outside of the bus and train and how that intersects with, you know, I'm a pediatrician. So mm-hmm. how does that intersect with the health of our kids? And not just physically, but, you know, cognitively, mentally, um, you know, how, how that inter- intersects with the way we build our environments for kids and for children and old people and babies, moms with babies and uh, pregnant women and all, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, and, and what are we capable of doing as a city to, to foster that sort of growth, you know, and, and its effects are, you know, its effects are so far reaching. Um, but yeah, I, a long way of saying I agree. Yes, <laughs> you agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, and, and we, let's dive into that a little bit. And, and, you know, I think we'll start where um, maybe where many people are at this point, particularly in the year uh, when they are thinking about, um, you know, New Year and, and making healthier choices for themselves. What are some ways that choosing public transit, in your view, can help someone who's trying to live a healthier lifestyle? Well, I think that there's, you know, the simple, re- simple answer to that, which is, you know, if you, if you are lucky enough to be near a frequent, high-frequency bus or train route and you take it, you'll get more steps in. You know, and, you know, that helps a little bit with weight loss. And I think a lot of people focus on the weight loss aspect of it. But I always advocate that, you know, that's so multifactorial. I mean, you got to get your diet in order and your stress level down and all kinds of other things. But I mean, in terms of just feeling better, people who are active feel better. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to be near a, you know, um, in an environment that's safe for you to walk in and you can walk to a bus stop that can get you to where you need to go in a timely manner. I'd say that if one of your goals is not just physical health, but mental health, give it a shot. You know, I'd say, see what happens and, and uh, see if that's something that, and I think the other thing is if you feel like you should be able to do that and you can't, 
you know, then then that's something that you need to think about as well in terms of, you know, what steps can we take as a community to get a little bit better at that? So um, I would say that it, it, there's a lot of positive effects um, in terms of, you know, meeting your New Year's resolutions when it comes to that. And you mentioned stress level. I know I often um, hear from our, our writers, even those who uh, maybe live in outlying areas and utilize park and ride, mm-hmm. that when they start using some of the services that are available in terms of public transit, mm-hmm. taking the bus versus drive commuting an hour each way in their own personal vehicle, yeah, the stress goes down. Oh, yeah. And I think anybody who's lived in Houston could tell you that. You know, um, I know for me that whenever I'm on the highway, that is probably the highest stress I feel in a day. And that includes my job as an inpatient, you know, pediatric hospitalist. I, I think that there's just so much research out there that supports that too. You know, one thing that stands out to me is they took a bunch of adults with car, with known coronary artery disease, um, had them drive in their commute, and then did EKGs on them. And some of those EKGs, a lot of those EKGs were very dangerous. You know, going to going in the direction of myocardial ischemia, wow, uh, heart attacks type, early heart attack type EKGs, and. That's surprising until you actually get on I-45, you know, and then you're like, (laughs) maybe, maybe that makes some sense. And, you know, like I would say that we know that our stress levels are high chronically, you know, when you're, when you're doing that hour commute and in uh, rush hour traffic and the effects of that are, are not just, you know, that kind of, oh, I get road rage sometimes. It's not just that, you know, when your stress hormones are high all the time you have a decreased immune response. And we know this. People in longer commutes have to take more sick days, have more days in the hospital, um, and have decreased job and life satisfaction sometimes. The life satisfaction, I think, is a little tenuous. because That's so multifactorial. But the job satisfaction, the hospital days, the sick days, the longer you commute, the more stressful your commute. I mean, and that anger doesn't go away. That frustration and stress... Anybody who's ever driven on the highway here in Houston knows that it takes time to to get over that commute. Like you need to release that somewhere. And where are you releasing it? At work or at home with your kids and your wife or husband, you know, and um, that has negative effects. So, you know, we think a lot about the the um, the 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 stress of of hurting someone else in your car or hurting yourself in your car. But it's a lot more than that, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of, and I'm going to make a, a point that wasn't really your question, but you can get in a bus or a train if you're fortunate enough to do that. All of that stress just dissipates. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, I, I heard your last podcast, you're, you're getting Wi-Fi, you know, experimenting with Wi-Fi in some of our trains. I wish it was the red line. Right. <laughs> but uh, it looks like you got the green and purple, which yeah. is okay. But, you know, now all of a sudden you're not only going to be able to relax and watch videos or do some work or get them things done, but you're going to be both a more effective person and a happier person or, or a less stressed person, at least we could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the benefits are pretty high. And, and let's talk a little bit about the communal nature of um, being on public transit, because again, that's another sort of observation or something that I've experienced personally, but also observed talking to uh our, our customers is they often get to know other people on their routes or sometimes the driver or both. Um, and, and that seems beneficial as well. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, shout out to my community on the red line. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I think, think about your children, right? Like we were just offline. We we're talking about, right. you know, about kids and our community and things like that. We all want our kids to grow up in that idyllic area where they can just walk outside and talk to the baker and then go to the corner store and then, you know, do those things. But we have a lot of fears about doing that here in Houston. I think one of the major probably practical fears is uh, getting hit by a car. Now, if we can create like a more safe culture, I think one of the things we know is the the more that kids interact with people, the more they live in a walkable community and get to walk in that community the better their economic outcome is later on in life. Wow, that's fascinating. It's pretty cool. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a study that was done, and I'll, I'll, get, to your, I'll, mm-hmm, get, I'll mm-hmm. get to your point, because I think that you know, getting a chance to ride the same bus or the same train every single day and kind of create a community and, and meet people that are different from you, which happens on buses and trains all the time, is great not only if you're 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 70-something, but... Once we get to that point as a city, it's possible for that to have some significant benefits if you're 12, you know. And um, so going to that study, it was they studied people raised in the 90s um, and essentially looked if if a walkable living in a walkable community and walking in that walkable community. uh, What they found was that it was associated with significantly better economic outcomes they make more money later on in life it makes sense and they corrected for a whole host of demographic and socioeconomic factors in a in a way that i thought was pretty well done but it was really interesting and it made sense because you know if your child gets to interact with people and god you know we're, we have the fortune of living in one of the most diverse cities anywhere right you know if if we are able to get our kids outside of the backseat of our car and actually interact with those people like the the benefits are huge and all of a sudden you know you're 24 and you're getting transferred to mexico city or hong kong or wherever doesn't matter i was raised in houston right you know? i know so, how to get around like yeah. yeah you know and all and you 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 have had those experience of interacting with people different from you you've had that experience of you know meeting that life-changing person who lives a block away um because you're your neighborhood was built around the bus and not the car. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then getting to ride the bus and who knows who you'll meet. You know, you can meet some really positive people and, and kind of get a sense of community. Uh, I think a lot of people on, on Houston buses will tell you that they know the bus driver, a significant number of people on, on their on their route. Same thing's true, true with me in the red line. You don't get to meet the bus driver on the train. Which <laughs> right. Is, or yeah. the train driver on the train, but... Um, but they do wave. They do they wave. They do wave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm a, I'm a waver. And, and so you're a, and you you've mentioned that a couple of times. You're actually you actually use uh, the uh, the red line primarily to commute to work, correct? Yeah, and I use mm-hmm. it to get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes it uh, convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so for you in your personal experience, you find having access to this high frequency transit very beneficial. Yes, it yeah. Does. yeah. I mean, I think. I think high frequency and dependable are the key mm-hmm. for me personally. Right. Um, and it's allowed me to build my life around the, the red line. You know? Right, right. Now, I'm fortunate that I have a job that is close to the red line. You know, a lot, you can do a lot of your daily activities along the red line, you know, grocery stores and uh, pharmacies and things like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's happening all over the city um, uh, because a lot of people are using. Uh, are building good communities around these high frequency 
high frequency transportation thing. It's really, I'm really excited about the post Oak line. You know, I think that'll be fun to see how the, how that street develops around, around that high fre- frequency, uh, bus rapid transit. You know? Yes, that's coming soon. The Metro yeah. Rapid. Yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> It'll be later this year. It sounds like you, one thing, uh, a point that you make, and it's important, is that the communities need to be walkable and safe, particularly as it pertains to, you know, interacting for, for pedestrians interacting with vehicles. So we need mm-hmm. to continue to support that culture, the design, and also, I guess, the behaviors People are are practicing safe behaviors as it pertains to pedestrians navigating through the streets and sidewalks. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, creating safe intersections, um, uh, you know, specifically for children. But I think I think that's a good way of looking at it too. Is you know, we know what the best practices are um, when you know, if, if for example, you're able to slow the speed of cars in areas where uh, there's a lot of pedestrians or potential pedestrians, that's safer for for uh, all people, but especially children, the elderly, and the handicapped. Um, And I think that if you're able to get, say, one of those three demographics from their home to the bus stop or the train stop, that has a lot of positive positive effects um, from a public health standpoint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you and I uh, spoke, when we set up the interview, you, I I believe, mentioned even environmental factors uh, surrounding some of the bus shelters and things like that can be impactful for the rider, for the customer. Yeah. And I I mean, I think that actual shelter itself and then the area immediately around the shelter. um, And and I think we all know this, like we know this intuitively, like sometimes if you ever go for a walk, like just watch yourself and, and where you choose to cross the street and where you choose to, you know, if it's a very, you know, beautiful sort of main street, like think about Westheimer, you know, inside the loop or, or main street just up the road from here and a very active and very interactive sort of street that's, you know, has slow moving cars and wide sidewalks. You find yourself walking down those streets a lot more often, you know, when you're on a narrow sidewalk next to a 45 mile an hour high traffic area you find yourself, you know what, let's just call that Uber or right. you know, let, let's find, you know. So I think that the bus stop itself and the train station itself, I mean, you know, we're right next to the uh, downtown transit center uh, station and it, it's it's a beautiful sheltered station with comfortable seats and, you know, a, a good separation from, from the streets. And, you know, there's some other bus stations that, that just don't have the same facilities. Um, I think you'd find yourself going to the former and avoiding the latter, you know, and really only going to the latter if you had to, which is unfair. You right. know? And I think that if you want something to be utilized in a way that decreases our dependence on parking lots and things like that, that's a, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an accountant, or, but uh, <laughs> that seems like a relatively small investment for, and then, and then getting the walk up to that, you know, um, well, it's definitely, I know, an investment that um, Metro is going to be making and that the voters approved in, as part mm-hmm. of the Metro Next plan, particularly for certain corridors known mm-hmm. as boost corridors. So um, because it is uh, uh, an investment that can be made relatively quickly um, and, and it's pretty uh, accessible to do that. So there'll yeah. be more of that to come um, <laughs> for sure. And, and, and when it comes to... Uh, you know, again, along the topic of, of overall well-being, does allowing your 
self to take public transit and just be more stimulated mentally. I mean, I, you know, it's, it, if you're navigating, you know, crossing the street and looking mm-hmm. at schedules and, and all of that, you know, it, is that brain stimulus? Um, you know, it seems like it's, you have to be a little bit, you know, not that we shouldn't pay attention when we're driving either. But, yeah, um, but the ability to zone out. Yeah. Right, right. It makes, you know, that makes a lot of sense as well. Again, I don't know. I've, the I've got all these questions the, like, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like you should be a researcher. Yeah, these are guess, great research yeah. questions, you know. <laughs> I know, I feel like, uh, again, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in a situation where you've you've commuted in your car the same commute over and over again and then you pull up in your driveway and you don't know how you got there right yeah i see some hands being raised <laughs> yeah and, you know that's that's happened to me a handful of times in the small town i grew up in when i was a kid that scares me like mm-hmm. that's really terrifying right you know and i don't know i mean i'm wondering if if that's just a lack of stimulus and what is your brain doing as opposed to we definitely know uh we absolutely know that the more the more brain stimulus you have, um, the more your mind is turned on. And we all know what that means. TV is not your mind turned on. You know, right. watching YouTube videos or whatever is not your mind turned on. But it's so fun. Talking, no. it's, you know, it's great. <laughs> no. It's great, you know. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, having this conversation, talking to people, interacting with people, um, that is brain turned on. And mm-hmm. we do know that for the elderly, that – the more they're interacting and speaking and talking to other people, um, the more they're able to ward off the signs and symptoms of dementia, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. Parkinson's is a little different, but like Alzheimer's disease, certainly. Mm-hmm. And we're getting right around the edge of what I feel comfortable talking about. About because when you start talking about the elderly, and I do know that that you know when you when they are living really active social lives, those dementia symptoms do go do go down, um, and. Um, and it, again, it's a question of can we safely get and, and by safely, I mean that sidewalk, the um, the infrastructure around your around and your 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 um, your bus stops and train stops. You know, if it can be elderly fen- friendly and all of a sudden um, elderly people, they're able to interact with the city in a positive way. I think of two things. One is the cognitive benefits of them, you know, interacting with people on the bus and the train. And being a part of that community. Right. And then the second thing is now all of a sudden that 12 year old, and this is, this is ambitious. You know, <laughs> and I always take it back to, you know, I'm a pediatrician, but that 12 year old is now getting a chance to interact with that 78 year old. Right. Which is pretty cool, you it know, is. and it's something that can be difficult a lot in, in, in the high speed environment that when you visualize a community that's able to do that, it's usually a community without a lot of parking lots. You know, where people are able to walk around safely and, and the elderly person, the child, the, the pregnant woman, the woman with the stroller are, are all able to use the same pedestrian infrastructure in a safe way without fear. And that's when a lot of good things happen. Um, and I think that, frankly, high occupancy transit has to has to be the key. You know, and anyone who lives in Houston knows that. Just walk down Main Street and see what it's become since the red line opened. Right. You know, look at look at what 82 has done for Westheimer. You know, like it's definitely possible here. It absolutely is. Sounds like you're so the prescription may include take more public transit. huh? (laughs) Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's a good New Year's resolution. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Dr. Zoe Hafiz, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at McGovern Medical School at UT Health. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) 
If this episode inspired you to try Metro or perhaps explore beyond your regular route, the Metro Trip app is a great way to map out your journey and it's loaded with accessibility features. You can also purchase tickets from your phone with the Q mobile ticketing app. Of course, all this info is available on our website, ridemetro.org. You can also find all of the other episodes of this podcast, The Next Stop, while you're there. If you want to make sure you never miss one, subscribe. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or SoundCloud. And if you could please do me a favor and give us a rating and review on one of those apps, it'll help us out a bunch. I'm Laura Whitley. Thanks for listening. Until next time, drive less, do more with Metro.